mean, we Look record at that woman. She's okay. Oh, they got a lot of makeup on. Welcome her, to the show, everybody. We're yeah. here. We're gawking at Iris West from the Flash TV <laughs> series. Is that who that is? That yeah. actress? Yeah, she's actor? white in the comic books. They blacked her up for the show. They made her a person of they color. They made her a person of a. Well, she's Asian. She's uh, she's like Filipino. God, she's Something really like that. Yeah. The camera treats her well. There's a reason why she was cast. Filipinos need to back off the whole Asian thing. Aren't they like Indian? No, I, I think of them being more Asian. But what we what do I know? She's yeah, really. She's pretty. really attractive though. She although they, they have a lot of makeup on. Her. Got a lot of makeup. Well, yeah, you know. she's a goddamn reporter. She's got to look tight. <laughs> they take you off TV if you start looking ugly. God, in this city, that's for sure, man. In Jesus. news in general. Yeah. My uh, mom used to hang out with this substitute teacher. His name was, uh, I forget his last name, but he was dope. He would cuss. We would do, he like, <laughs> he's one of those teachers that you would see, you'd go to a party and he would be there. Mr. <laughs> like Donahue. the cool teacher, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So he was, a, so he dated uh, this lady named Sandra Solarte. He might still be with her. Yeah. So, so don't. We're not going to do doxing. Let's back off. What's uh, doxing? Where you reveal someone's identity on the internet and then your your listeners abuse them. Sometimes show up at their houses. Dox, true doxing is like giving someone's address. And it's basically like, uh, you know when that little kid went face-to-face with that Native American guy during that like school thing, that big famous... Oh, yeah. People wanted to dox that kid. Like people said, like this kid's a racist. His identity should be made public, and we should go to his house and protest. Like that's doxing, basically. Like, le- like we need to find this person. Boy, Keith, it's uh, uh it's. it's ba- I would call it uh, like a uh, verbal, like almost a like social lynching. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's got this a uh, witch hunt. Someone's side gonna to call it. me racist for uttering that word to do with like how dare you say the word lynching when you're talking about a white kid well i mean someone drag racing outside like fucking nightmare on elm street part one (laughs) we talked about this a couple months ago on the show but uh uh the whole uh when obama was speaking at some sort of obama foundation event or maybe it was at stanford and he was just like the whole call out cancel culture is just it's not activism. Joaquin you know? Phoenix even said something in his long ass Oscar speech. Yeah, we were watching that. Like, Watch yeah. the listen to that episode. By the way, we fucking had three hour podcast. We Man. did. We podcasted the Oscars. It's an annual thing we do. <laughs> I was thinking, Crocious, as a new format, we could do that. We will do like Oscars, World Series, like big sporting events. Yeah, some sort of bigger Super event. Bowl. We usually go to a party. Yeah, but yeah. maybe we do something where next Super Bowl, instead of we throw the party and we do a live podcast during the Super Bowl with a crowd. Well, we have to see who's in the Super Bowl, too, because I have a feeling if the Vikings... Well, that, that won't happen, so I shouldn't even need to talk about that. Yes, we'll do that, Check Keith. this out, too. And if this happens, if at any point in the playoffs the Bears and Vikings play, we're podcasting that episode. <laughs> my, boy, my boy MVP Mitch. Fucking gonna, you know what? I've, I've, you might have saw my Facebook post. I've come to... One and only option that I will get rid of Mitch for. What? If Brady goes to the Raiders and we can get Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr is not that much older and he's a clear upgrade from Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> That's the one quarterback I'll accept of like, hey, we're going to yeah. go after Derek Carr. Yeah. Well. I was like, okay, you can get rid of Mitch for him. 
It's the off season, Keith. You know, football season. Anyone over else right isn't now. an upgrade. They're backups. <laughs> well, and, and even if they are upgrades, it's a stupid argument to have because they're they're running with. They're starting them this year. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, they have to. Nagy and him are, are, are connected at the hip, so they have to try to have a good year this year. Well, I think Pace more than Nagy because Pace was t- Pace was talking about drafting a quarterback before Trubisky was even in the picture. I think 2015 he was talking about like this. We need a quarterback here. It's time. Yeah. That's when he started talking about Drew Brees and because he came from New Orleans, he was their yep. player personnel scout. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a, why it looks so bad on him because his job in New Orleans was to scout college talent and like basically had a hand in building that team. The yeah. Saints have been the shit yeah. for yeah. A, a decade. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They I mean they've been very good for longer, man. Remember they, they were the team that lost to the they Bears the when, when the Bears went yeah, well, yeah, exactly. When I was a kid, uh when the Bears went to the Super Bowl that one year, they beat the Saints in in the NFC Championship game. That was like 06. I mean, they've been good for like Peyton, Peyton and, and Breeze have been a very good combination. I mean, th- that that franchise was damned. You you, you think, I mean, people think, the, ooh, the Browns are bad. The Saints didn't go to the playoffs the first 20 years of their existence. And in their first playoff game, they got smoked by a certain team called the Minnesota Vikings. 44-10, to 10, I might add. Anthony Carter had a 87-yard uh, uh, punt return in that game. I also think that was a time where you could be a shitty team and not have consequences. Well, I mean, In modern NFL, Archie Manning wouldn't have played his whole career with the Saints. He would have yeah. had five bad seasons, and they would have got rid of him. Cause he, and that, like back then, they stuck with what they had because yeah. there was no free agency. Yep, yep. You drafted your team, and if they were shitty, you were just shitty for 10 years. Well, it just, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, because the free agency has changed everything. Well, that's probably why they wanted free agency, because there were probably, like, players that, like, I want to go make the Raiders better, or I want to go make the Dolphins better. Well, certainly, I think players they, players wanted to make more money. That, that's the reason why they wanted free agency and why the owners did want to have free agency. Free agency was huge. Remember, they used to have Plan B. We, we wouldn't protect certain players. You know, like, like like you would have like seven players. On Is your that roster. like the pregnancy? That was like their pregnancy pro call plan B. Yeah, <laughs> it was plan B free agent. Uh, the Vikings got Jack Del Rio from the uh, from the Cowboys uh, as a middle linebacker. Where he started he was for three years. Shit, year. dude, I love Jack Del Rio. He was a solid middle linebacker. He <clears throat> was good a coach good, too. He was a good, good white middle linebacker. You know, you know, uh, efficient, hardworking. You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, so did so, the yeah. Vikings lose Diggs? They haven't lost Diggs. I actually watched a press conference of uh, Spielman, their Mensa-like GM, um, who uh, maybe he's the president. He's got some weird title. He's the f- director of football operations. I don't know what he is. But he's the head guy who makes personnel decisions. And he was just like... He, he's what Pace was with the Saints. He's the director yeah, of player personnel. Which is, you know, he's just... I, I'm not a huge fan of his because he's botched up an offense. They cannot get an offensive line there to save their lo- their lives. If they had a good offensive line, they would be a great football. They, they have a very good offense. They really would. But he, he was saying, oh, no, there's no way that – and it was like Mr. Double Negative. Stefan Diggs will not not be a Viking. What, I mean, you just say Stefan Diggs will be a Viking. Don't, don't say Stefan Diggs will not not be a Viking. It's yeah. poor language. It's, you don't do a double negative. You know, that's former just, NFL player language right yeah. there. <laughs> but he's he's a dunce. Nah, he's not and, knocked around a little bit. You know, he well that, that was Chris Spielman, his brother. But uh, but Rick, you know, I just don't buy the guy. And yeah, they, they better not get rid of Diggs. Diggs is a very good football player. And didn't yeah. he do some Instagram shit where he kind of complained on Instagram? Because yeah. Derek Carr did that. Derek Carr posted a picture of himself 
Embr- like slapping five with Khalil Mack because when the Bears played the Raiders in London. And everybody was just like, oh, shit, Derek Carr wants to go to the Bears. Well, I don't know. I mean, that, that could be. I mean, they're just old teammates who are friends. I, and man. that's why also why I would accept it, because it would be a total heist, because the Raiders would be choosing one or two years of Tom Brady for the remaining 10 of Derek, of Derek Carr's Carr. career. Yeah, yeah. And Derek Carr threw for four four bills last year. I think he had 20. I always thought I think, he was a decent enough quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I... I, I I haven't watched enough of him to really know. A Bears podcast convinced me earlier this week. It was this dude who writes for the Bears, and he was because he got attacked this week because he fronted. He basically wrote an article that posed the question: Is maybe sticking with Mitch this season isn't the worst option for the Bears? Like, if you look at the players that are out there, pound for pound, match for match, are they really an upgrade? What do you, you have to always think about what's the value of replacement? Yeah. What is the so you can sit there and say, Oh, Kirk Cousins gets paid twenty seven million. What a waste of money well, for who else are you gonna well, get? Who are you gonna get? You know, it's just like you, you can talk got, about you know, Andy Dalton all you want. He's old and only all he's old, he looks like Joe Kilgallen. That's all I know <laughs> about him. Uh Cam Newton, why don't the Panthers want him? Any time of a team is willing to give up on a player like Cam Newton. Like, why don't you want him? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, He's injury prone. I don't trust his body. Yeah. Because uh, there was rumors he was going to go to the Bears for a while. Wasn't yeah. There? yeah. Wasn't there? Yeah, Because exactly. well, they, they're going to sign a backup for Mitch. That's the plan right now is to light a fire under Mitch and give him some competition and say, like, not yeah. in, in uncertain terms, like, you have to fight for your job yeah. in camp. Yeah. And so you have to – they're talking about maybe Phillip Rivers – uh, like someone, an aged quarterback that could that is willing to be on the bench if possible. I don't think Philip Rivers is willing to be on the no. bench. No, he wants to play. But basically, what the, else does he do? The first domino is Tom Brady. Yeah, he's got to choose where he's going to go. I can't it's imagine gonna, the Patriots not signing. He's him. already a free agent. I, I mean, he's going to be a Patriot. I know he, well, he's testing the market, but I, I mean, he crazy. would go to the Raiders because he hates the fucking 49ers for not drafting him. So he would stick it and go to the Raiders, even though they're going to be in Vegas. It's not like a rivalry. <laughs> That's why I thought he'd go to San Diego because I'm sure he's got a. I think he's, he and Giselle have a thirty million dollar mansion over, or maybe forty million dollar mansion out here. Look you at know, this super villain superhero banter right here. I know on Flash. Who, who's well, the what, big, what's this? What's this? Well, who's the guest star? Let's see. Maybe on the info. This is live shit going on. Uh, they don't have. This is just the main cast. Candace Patton. Uh, yeah, that's that's her. That's Candace Patton, that's right Candace there, the Filipino woman. Yeah, God, she is. Let me see if you nailed that. You know, maybe I did. God, well, she's beautiful. You know, there's here's here's Curtis from the Laugh Factory, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that does look like him. He's actually was in the the movie version of Rent. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was one of the guys. Oh God, I just saw the opening sequence to Rent again. We, I think well, she's from Jackson, Mississippi. She's thirty-one years old. Hmm. Um. Yeah. No, she's from Texas, dog. She's she's just a Southern black woman. She's not black. She's Filipino. She's not black. She's a person of color. She's not black. You know. But yeah, that that guy was in Rent. Exactly, he was the guy. Four thousand forty-eight moments in, in the movie. I, I just saw the early part of Rent again, and I, it is it's a terrible movie. It is so bad. It it was such a big play in the nineties, dude. It very much. Dude, this is the truth. It very much captures uh, like a, a time. Okay, period. Candace Patton was born in Jackson, Mississippi, to an African American mother and a European American father. Okay, so she's, oh, she's half. She's black. biracial. Yeah. So like like Derek Jeter. 
you know, I, should, I, I thought she was Filipino. She's a very pretty woman. She's exceptionally gorgeous. That's yeah. that's hit in the show. That's her dad. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That, Detective West. They have a musical episode every season because they all sing. Grant Gustin, the God. dude who plays the Flash, was like a musical guy. They all are. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's amazing. But what with it's been <laughs> on for fucking eight I will say, years. I will say, yeah, Flash is a successful show. Is it the same cast? Yeah. Jesus. So Arrow just ended Flash. I think this is season six. They have the show called Legends of Tomorrow, which is all the tertiary characters from all the shows. That's yeah. their show. And that's actually cool because they travel through different dimensions. So every episode, they're like on a different planet. It's like the show Stargate. Do you remember oh, the show uh, Stargate? Absolutely. I remember the movie, too. Yeah. yeah the it's movie, like that. Yeah. The movie Stargate with James Spader and uh, Kurt Russell. I fucking love James Spader, dude. Sp- Spader was... Spader Spades plays the guy. He plays a good villain. He, he was good in a, remember, a Less Than Zero? Hell yeah, dude. Robert Downey, he Jamie. dies in a car at the end. Yes, he just dies because he's and such they a ju- drug addict. And they just hug him and cry, Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, whose father owned the old improv in uh, in Chicago. She's, yeah. She's from North Shore. And her husband owns the fucking Atlanta Hawks. Huh. Yeah, yeah, she was... Uh, she came for money and stayed in money. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of how that usually happens. <laughs> throw on, we'll throw out, try a little John, John Wick part Wick. two right here. Oh, here we go. Here's here's uh, Keanu doing the junket. Doing the junket, man, you know, Keanu. But, yeah, it... Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, back to the, uh, the, the, the... Whatever, we were talking football before, too. Or Rent. Rent in the 90s? Like, I remember Rent was a, was a popular play. And, and the time period that it covers... I mean, it is so, my because that's AIDS was huge. So this was like the this, the, is, this is 89, 90. This I mean, is the this is the response. Well, it was very much. I mean, it was very much a theme, obviously, in the in the play. The gays had been beaten down the entire eighties, and they needed to respond. So they all gathered and they wrote Rent. <laughs> yeah, because well, well, the guy who wrote Rent died of AIDS. So yeah. that's part of the reason why it was actually produced, is it was basically like a sob story because it was like. This guy was, and he, and he literally was like a classic New York. Like he was, an, he was a waiter during the day and wrote and like was refining his craft and made Rent. I just don't find the songs very good in Rent. No, and they're just cheesy. Yeah, they're not. I mean, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Keith. I always throw throw musicals on, under the bus here. There are good musicals. Oh, I love them, dude. Grease is a classic, doggy. You know, and then also I will say Les Miserables is not a bad musical. It's actually a pretty damn No, good. but I'm not a big fan of the musicals where it's, it's all singing. Like even the dialogue, the dialogue is like, hello, sheriff, I'm here <laughs> to welcome you to the town. Who am I? Two, four, six, yeah. oh, one. She's my daughter, my daughter. <laughs> Jean Valjean. <laughs> it just I saw that in a I saw that in the theater with my mom. My mom and I got into a real big argument before that uh, before that play. She was she it just I, I got really upset with her. I, I was really pissed off at her and I, I usually never got angry with her, but I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So you worried about COVID-19 or what? Oh, call, call uh, Kong Skull Island. I the director who used yeah. to be uh, a Creator film comics. Blurds. TJ Miller ripped him off. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, you know. And, uh, well, I, mean, I don't know if TJ Miller ripped him no, off. No, but, but uh, whoever created the show didn't acknowledge that he co-created. I don't think he got any sort of. Uh, well, there's a guy, Mike Bridenstine, who also created Blurds. Yeah. I was not. Invi- he's the one who said it was. The, he's the one who told me. Like, I'm going to be honest with you about Blurds. This is this is my angle. This is my old. You school had a angle. hand in it too. No, 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 no. I, in fact, quite the opposite. I wasn't even. I, there wasn't even a, f- a faint whisper of including me involved, <laughs> and, and that was very much. That was you very hated much. It. No, no. I, to be honest, I didn't really think about it. 
until I thought about it later. <laughs> and I realized that was that was basically the old guard. I was the old guard being replaced, and that was the new guard See, replacing me. See, that's how I me. felt in Chicago, and that's why I came out here. You felt you were being replaced by the new guard? No, I just felt like I was the old guard. and not, not even replaced. I just felt like, why am I, why am I here? Like yeah. someone said it. Not I'm not at this level, but yeah. someone said you have to just like – What's the point of me being around trying to get stage time? Like, let all the let the new comics get it. Yeah. Not saying that I was keeping anybody yeah. down. Yeah. Because yeah. I certainly wasn't. But yeah. just the idea that I was still trying to compete with people that have been doing it for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have yeah. to go be. A, I have to go be a. Try to do something larger. I have to go swim in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying, man. I mean. It's funny, you know, t- taking the leap and coming out here. You know, I mean, I-, I have no regrets coming out here, despite how difficult my job has been, um, because I never would have wrote the script that I wrote. I, I-, I never would, and I'm, you know, I- I'm on the the tenth iteration of it. Do you know what we should both do since we're both? Because I had like I'm trying to focus hard on stand up. Uh, this yeah. last few months was my first sustained failure. Like I was not having great sets. Had a m- iffy set in san diego yeah uh and like i was just i've just been on a bad rut yeah where like i forget stuff on stage yeah and like i was i was messaging with james yesterday i was just like dude this is the first this is the first time i've questioned my decision yeah yeah but you need those moments where you you need those moments uh, where you're like did i make a mistake coming out here you know i tell you i i think it's natural to feel that way you know it's but i tell you what when I saw you go up a couple weeks ago, you had a solid set. You had oh, good, with the good, open mic? You were loose, man. Yeah. You had a good, solid set. I was like, no. I mean, and you even said, too, you had some other good sets, too. We're like, okay, yeah, I still got it. You know, it's like, you know, I, I think, again, because the culture out here is so detached. Well, I was and telling James, is, I go, you're only as good as your last set. You're only as popular as your last set. Yeah, it's, I th- I a bomb really sticks with you. It's funny. How, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it can. There's no doubt about it. But I... You know, I haven't been going up that much because I've been so damn busy with work. But again, I don't regret coming out here for the writing point of view, which is the reason why I always moved out here to begin with. I never would have wrote the script. Thanks, bud. Like a little glass of white wine. Glass of wine. Let's see if he likes it. He hates our wine usually. I'm making you drink that, by the way, if you don't like it. It's decent enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's better than the other stuff. Yeah. It, it is a less expensive wine, but it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. No, it's a... What's a Sauvignon Blanc? I think that Babcock White one wine. is good. I think that Babcock one's real good because that's got like a cork in it. Those other two yeah. were like screw tops. Yeah, yeah. So it just, um, you know, uh, uh, but but coming out here. So I'm not. I don't. I don't regret coming out here. I want to do a little more performance than I've been doing. But I'm booked at Flappers in a couple of weeks. I'm booked at the Ice House in April. I'll get some other bookings in there too. Um, but I was gonna say we should once a week or twelve, like even if we do it separate, like we should both focus, like write, like get our laptops. We'll work on our pilots. We'll bounce shit back and forth. I, I'm totally. Hey, listen, man. Figure out how to submit stuff. Like, yeah, look, the, we'll, like to festivals. And yeah, like, and, like, and the competitions and stuff. No, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I tell you what, I, I have my call tomorrow with my writing partner. He, I'm really excited about it because he, and thanks for listening, man. Thanks for, for all four of you listening right now. I appreciate that. Uh, it's like 50, <laughs> 30 to 50 every week. That, you know, that's okay. Thank you for listening. Honest to God. Um, I, I mean, with my writing partner, we, 11 o'clock every Sunday, we talk for about 45 minutes to an hour. 
he sends me like he sent me a, a outline for our second episode. We're starting to think about the second episode now. We're not done with the pilot. I sent the pilot to two key people uh, that I want to <laughs> get feedback from, uh, and that's a this is kind of a key point in the process because I feel like it's actually improved. But I want to hear what's. St- I think I know what the flaws are still. I think it's still too wordy, frankly. I think it's still too wordy. Right. Got to show, not tell. Exactly. The classic screenwriting 101. Although I think I'm better with it. There's a lot in here, though. I mean, there's some good... We're hitting some good See, moments. See, that's why drama is usually easier than comedy. Yeah. Because in if as far as show, not tell, you could just kill somebody or have a traumatic experience. And that can be a, and that's it's, a drama. It's yeah, yeah. so easy to just like, well, now this bad thing has happened and this bad thing happened and that's your show. And how do they react? Yeah. You know? But yeah, it, it is... Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just... I, I feel pretty good about this. I mean, I, and, and we'll see. You know, maybe I'll get humble. Maybe they'll say, geez, Adam, it's just I don't really get it. I don't want to follow it. But you know something my instincts are telling me? There's something here. I think it's going pretty well. I, mean, I wonder I, if it'd be interesting if you thought about putting someone in your office on the show who is racist. Well, there's no one racist in my office. My office is pretty damn woke. No, I'm saying like just for oh, this, for in your pilot. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like just to have nah, that, that as that, like a... Although I did some racist things not in retrospect. Even, not even, that's what I'm saying. Like not even a racist character, but just like an, an episode where the main character realizes like, oh, I do it too. Oh, dude, dude, there's going to be moments like that. Absolutely. Yeah. We've already thought about that. I mean, you know, the pilot is about establishing the characters, obviously. And, and you plant the seeds for future episodes. Uh, so we're doing that. I think we've done a decent enough job with that. You know, uh, but, but but what we're... Um, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a, a scene where one the, when I look back on this and this I, I am embarrassed. This is cringeworthy. This is cringeworthy what I did. There was a woman who was very pretty. So this is real life for the listeners, by the way. Exactly. This is, this is real life. Pilot. Yeah, this is actually what happened. I'm going to put this in here, though. Uh, this woman uh, had like those... It was when poetic justice had come out. <laughs> that, that horrible Isn't John Tupac in that? Tupac is in it, Janet Jackson. And, and those braids were big. Braids were big. And there was a woman I worked with that had had her braids, and I said, "I said your braids are beautiful," and I touched her braids, which is that's like petting a dog or something. You know what I mean? Like it's like don't do that, or just say, or ask the permission. You gotta ask. Just say, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry." I, I, I you know, but touching I really a black bra- person's braids are the equivalent of squeezing a stranger's baby's cheeks. Yeah, or or, or like patting them on the head, like, "Oh, good dog," and I yeah. roll over, bro. Shake, play, shake. Let's go get a doggy biscuit. It's like when I look back on that, I didn't realize how racist that was until I watched an episode of W. Kamal Bell's uh, ill-fated show that that. Uh, Hannibal was doing a set on it and he was talking about that okay, thing. Okay, he had like a late night type show, Yeah, except right? for like maybe a year and a half or something, you know? Jim Norton had a great debate with a feminist on that show. It was called like Up Late with W. Kamau Bell or something like yeah, absolutely. that. absolutely. I, I, I just, t- I text with, well, he's one of the people I want to try to get this to actually. Dwayne? Uh, do, oh, do, Hannibal? Well, no, 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 no. W. Kamau Bell. Oh, okay. Because I know, I know him. I actually know him. I mean, I, I haven't talked to the guy in a while. But I, 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 dude, I, that's another thing too. Give it to Dwayne. Well, that, 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 that's that's. I mean, these and are let him basically be like, dude, make this great. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, or just like you know, I mean, I you know, again, it's or still a, he could Dwayne would be the best thing to like 
here's where you could here's where there would be racism yeah and, and just sort of pick it apart you know what i mean and just sort of see uh, where to improve it if you know we have some dialogue in there that's very much the talking two- about Dwayne kennedy by the way yeah. one of the greatest comedians that ever lived yeah no absolutely. no bullshit truly a great like an amazing talent and a guy I'm, i i adore i i love him i love him he's like a brother and I mean a brother in the, in the brother sense, not the fact that he's Dwayne black. Dwayne could riff. You know? I've never seen someone basically riff an hour. And and just and like. And murder. And just be. And everything he said be funny. Everything he said. Some of his. When he tells us bombing stories, they're fucking hilarious. One of his very first television opportunities was doing the um, uh, Apollo. Was the Sandman? Wasn't that the guy who came with the, with the broom? On the, like, at the Apollo. He'd been doing comedy for three years. So I think it was his first television appearance. It was like 1988. And he said he went out and he wore, he had a pair of socks that he always liked to wear when it was a big show for him. It was kind of his thing. That kind his of, lucky socks. His lucky socks that were like these yellow socks. That's and he great. Had, and he had pants that kind of just, just fluttered a little bit too much. And the first thing when he walked out on stage, was like, look at those socks. Like I mean, the entire oh, Apollo. No. So he literally, he said he got about a joke and a half in and was just taken off the stage. I said, man, what was that like? He's like, well, I didn't like it, you know. But I mean, his bombing stories are, are, are incredible. Because you, you could, I think I maybe I've seen him have a poor set like one time. That's the one thing you want to make sure in front of black people too. Like your appearance has to be. And clothes, they'll go after it. So it's just so fucking funny that. Dwayne has these socks that not only mean so much to him. There's lucky socks. There's exactly. lucky socks. Yeah, yeah. I've 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 crushed when I wear these socks. Yep. These are these are crush proof yep. socks. And, and even for, for what a Bomb comic proof. he is, for what a good comic he is, he's even a better person. He's he's he couldn't be a better human being. And I, then he goes out. Him. Not only do they does he not do well, but the first thing they see are the socks. Yeah, and they and they hate him for the socks. He immediately, I mean, it was that's great. He was on stage. He said. He said honestly. It really wasn't that bad because he was on stage for like 25 seconds. Right. He got like one joke out and started getting to the second one and that was it. See, that's when you want YouTube to be around because he would have been famous. <laughs> See, now with failures like that, because that would have made national news rounds and then you would have found out that he actually is a very funny comedian. Yeah, well, he, he'd well, be maybe like, it would have been too soon though because it would have been three years in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like He wasn't seasoned. I saw Dwayne on Comedy Central Presents, like in the late 90s. That was the first time I ever saw him. Were you like, this guy's great, man? I, we, hell yeah, dude. And he looks so wise because he had long braids. He still absolutely. does. But the they're big little, old dreads, absolutely. Yeah. And like he was dressed down. Usually people like, it just didn't seem, I, I don't want to say, I always sound disrespectful when I'm trying to compliment people, but it didn't seem like it was a big deal to him. Yeah. He was just wearing regular shit. Like he was just kind of like, uh but that, that, I mean, that, that's part of his appeal is he has this sort of well, like and I've nonchalance. also heard people say that that's kind of the in the business knock against him is that he's not too concerned enough about his career. Well, yeah, he could he, yeah. he could be oh. he should be the f- f- most famous comic in the world. Oh, well, he should be certainly one of them. I mean, he's like he should be Martin Lawrence. Great. He's he was in Martin Lawrence's first movie, Talking Dirty After Dark. I mean, he was he, he was in Martin Lawrence's Star Vehicle. You know, so to to to, to thrust him, mean, he was in episodes of Seinfeld, and I love Dwayne. But with, I thought about running it past him just because we have some dialogue in there. The two funniest characters are actually these two secretaries that actually that worked at the organization. These two black women that worked at the organization they're, of the dramedy. They're the comedy. You know what I mean? They're not the drama. They're the comedy. Yeah. And it's two kind of you know, 
maybe it's kind of cliche, but sort of the sassy black women, but they're a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, but they, I mean, these two women I worked with at, at that place, I mean, they were South Side, tough black women, you know, and they spoke their mind and they didn't really give a shit. I mean, they spoke their mind. So they had some hilarious lines. Their lines were hysterical. So I was just thinking, and it was making me laugh if this gets to Dwayne, because I'm sure Darius might listen. Because I'm, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I started I doing. Darius. I came up with. I mean, Darius started did stand up for the first time when he was eight because of Dwayne. I, I saw his, I saw his first set at the old Improv. Hey, he was a little in boy in 1995. He was an 11 year old kid. <laughs> so, but I came up with Darius is like my fucking boy. Like yeah. I, and in fact, I didn't know it was Dwayne Kennedy's nephew until. Four years in, in like you know, oh, you're related and to Dwayne got, Kennedy. He's the one who let me. Dwayne did our annual Christmas show, and oh, at the uh, yeah, yeah, and did stand up, stand fucking up. an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, you, and I'll say this, and I love Hannibal. Hannibal's a very good comic. Hannibal's yes. great. D- Dwayne Kennedy's he's the, special. He's one of the best comics ever. Yeah, he truly is. I mean, it's but I, I just imagine him if this gets to him and he's listening to us. Really poor compliments all over him, and I could just imagine yeah. Dwayne go, "These peckerwood motherfuckers <laughs> telling me how I don't manage my career." I, I, I you know, I used to like Adam. Adam, right? and I, he was my boy. We used We're to thinking hang he's out. complimenting him, and I'm saying like, I don't yeah, people, his career. I people know, say, like, yeah, you know, something. Though. These fucking white motherfuckers. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. I think part of it, you can put all the effort and work. Some of it is just, I think dumb luck is part of it, man. I really do believe that. You know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, they say. So you got to be prepared for those moments. But there's, you know, you know, the right person at the right time with the right people and the, and, and the right mood or whatever. You know, it just sort of, I, I, I just think there's something very ephemeral about it. I mean, most people I think who truly do quote unquote make it, I think that obviously the drive is huge, you know. So oh, I'm already, and that's what bummed, bummed me out and lit a fire under me yesterday because I fucking dog yeah, I had a bad one at an open mic yesterday. Oh, you, Not you, like yeah, a meltdown. Yeah. I just I thought I was gonna do well. I had everything so structured in my head the night before. Yeah. I had spent an hour and a half writing this like great chunk that is gonna work and has worked. Yep. It's the yep. same thing that I did at the at the mic you Absolutely, saw, but just yes. like better yeah and i just failed well you know i find when when i do poorly and believe me i've done poorly um it's for different reasons you know sometimes if i over prepare it's that weird balance like you know if i over prepare i'm too in my head and i think i'm gonna say this it's sort of like the spontaneity of the experience is kind of lost and it doesn't come off natural. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this happened to you. I didn't see your set last night. I just know for myself, who I talk about all the time because I'm self-absorbed. Um, when it goes poorly, that's usually one of the reasons why. I'm, I'm a little too in my head or I've almost over-prepared. Again, the best sets for me are when it's half-prepared and half off the cuff. Me too. That, that, and you that almost I, don't know. You got You spend the whole day going over it. And then when you go to the show, don't even worry about it. Exactly. You've done the Just homework. Say you've done your preparation and, and feel confident and secure with that. I always I've say done my job. I as long as I know what I'm going to start with, I'll be fine. And that's what I've yeah. been. And yes. that's honestly been a target of my problem. Is I I've been freaking out about like what am I going to start with? What am I going to open with? Because out here you want your first one to be a banger. You, you want got, it to hit. Yeah, it's true. And then like so, I've been doing my closer first. And then, like, yeah, now I'm in a up. hole. Yeah. And it's just been, I think I've just been experimenting too much. 
I don't know. And not trusting my skills. Like I feel like yeah. I got two in my head of like, oh, you got to start over. So I kind of just like knocked everything down. And it's just like, no, you got a good foundation to build on. Absolutely. Like, do your thing. Don't I, worry. Abs- I'm convinced too. Anyone that comes, if you've got just 12 to 15 polished minutes, you can come out here. I mean, you, you don't have to have like, I have to have an hour. I mean, well, you, you also know. have to have the ability to write a joke. Yes. Yes. Like you got it. That's what someone said. I heard they were like in LA when you come or LA or New York, when you go out there, you basically, you have to throw, not throw out your act, but you have to like, you're starting over, but you know how to write a joke. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. So you have the ability to like, oh, I can write a quick new five minutes and yeah. make it good if I need to. Yeah, I, I, I can't I have, come out here to. and only do your good twelve minutes. Basically, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you ha- you have to push yourself a bit too in turn. But that's what mics are for. For me, when I go out to a mic here, and this is anyone's advice for thinking about coming out here, I go f- with two purposes. I either work on my jokes that are good and adding a different inflection or a different line or a different tag, or it's going to be brand new shit that I'm just working on new material, you know, uh, and, and expect it to kind of bite. Don't expect it to be very good. But I was going over after that bomb, I was going over in my head of like, who are the comics that I've seen go from where I was when I got here to regulars at the improv? Cause there are a few comics who I, who've, made, who've made the who've, rise, who've, who've made the rise. And I was, I thought I was in the same category like, or, or I was yeah. or like if I can put it in, a, in an analogy like I was in this we were all in the same elevator and at some point we stopped at a floor and they were like this is your floor sir yeah and then they got to stay on the elevator and I was thinking what do they do and it all came back to well they're definitely out every night because I yeah. see it on Instagram and stuff and I'm yeah. out a fair amount I'm not like yeah. not out like yeah. I do spots yeah, but like they're those people are out every night, all night. They hang around at shows. Yeah, they yeah. fucking like they. It's, yeah, it's really putting in the effort. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't shortchange you can't just, it out here. You, you can't nonchalant it. You know, I mean, they, people people forget. They fucking forget who you are. You know, what I mean, they just don't they don't recall it. So, I mean, again, or they kind of just like, well, you're good, but you kind of you don't come around that much. So, like, even if they do think you're funny, why would they suggest you for a show? Because they're just like, they well, see you, you once every two weeks, yeah, you know, or twice a month or something, or once a month. So, yeah, you you got to put the time, and if that's what your focus is, you know, for me, and I've said it before, it's funny when I was, I'll, I'll drop a name here, but there was a famous comedian that I just saw recently that I drank with. That I had a good time with. It was a fun time. I got to admit it. And, and he was. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. TJM. Yes. And he just flat out was like, "What are you trying to get out?" of I don't know from? why I'm not. I said his name earlier. It was TJ. It's TJ Miller. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I. Uh, and uh, yeah, 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 TJ Miller. And he just flat out was just like very. He's like, "What are you trying to get out of stand up, Adam?" He just, he just flat. I mean, it was kind of. It was a tone of just like he wasn't a dick. He was just very matter of fact about it. And I just said. Listen, you know, for me, I was, I was a little bit, I was caught a little flat-footed, to be honest. I was caught a little flat-footed. Uh, but for me, it is about keeping the the funny bone exercised and keeping that creative thing exercised to enhance my writing. That That's the reason why. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's a relationship it's between good to, it. It's good to realize shit like that. Yeah, I mean. Because then you can kind of, 
that's when you get comfortable with yourself and and compartmentalize it. That's not to say that I don't still have certain ambitions of performance. Oh yeah. But but you're right. But I mean, but to me, my focus is about writing. It's about. And writing. I think that frees you up a little bit to be more creative on stage because you know, like, this is what I'm trying to I'm get out of. I'm just trying it. to. This is like yoga to me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and I think maybe you can stumble into some really funny shit too. You know. See, my thing is, I want to. I want to be able to do stand up every day. Man. And whether I and like and headline clubs, I want to make my living doing stand up. Yeah. And then if I need to have a source of income if if gigs aren't coming in, I want to be able to have the skills to go right on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I the people I know like I talked to my buddy who writes for Rick and Morty, or used to write for Rick and Morty. And help. I think it was part of the creative process of that. And I, I, you know, when he first saw me, he was like, "Well, what are you trying to get out of it?" You know, again, writing wise, he's like, and "I was just like, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a specific answer." He's like, "Listen, you know, you gotta have kind of a specific sort of. I want to write for late night TV, or I want to write for a sitcom, or I want to write for a drama, or I want to. I think there is something to that, uh, you know, of of kind of focusing on, on that. And and I I, I mean. Because to me, I'm kind of like, well, if you just can write, I think you can kind of write just about anything. But that's probably a naive, foolish assumption. Um, so I'm just trying to enjoy the process. And one other thing, too, TJ said, too, he's like, because you know something? I said, Adam, you're funny. He's like, you're to you're funny. That you feels know? good. You know, and, and even though everybody hates TJ, that feels good. <laughs> well, I mean, and, 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 you know, and I, you know, to be honest, I mean, I, I wasn't like, wow, you know. You know, at the same, I'm kind of like, so what? Where is it taking me? Where's your work ethic? You yeah. Know, where, where is it gone? I mean, I, I was funny the first time I did stand up. You, you know? also, and this is what we were talking about yeah. before the podcast, you've also put about half to three fourths of your effort into your career. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, which it, that is, and that has been, to, because I feel like no. your, your, your holdbacks in show business have been, I think, 10% you freaking out and running off stage and getting yeah. mad when people don't like Chaz or whatever the fuck. Chaz Walters, <laughs> world's most confident. But man. I think it's also that you've all, you've also had this priority of like, well, I also need to make a good living. I know, I know. It, it is. I don't think you've ever fully embraced like the shit bag. Like I, I have a mattress on the floor and my rent's 450 and I live with five people. Well, it's Which is what everybody age. else did. <laughs> And now you're thinking about doing that. No, 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 no. Not that, but yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 I looked at this, scale. Adam comes in, he's like, I looked at this room, and I I, it's big, <laughs> like, I like. <laughs> but the rent is literally $800 a month yeah. less expensive. I mean, th that's a major chunk Dude, of cash. I think we're coming to an era, because just the world is ending, yeah. where you're going to have families that do what you're doing, where you're like, we need to find a place with a couple rooms that we can rent. Oh, I, I think it's already being done. Like you're, it's gonna your <laughs> no, it roommates means are gonna, white people are going to be doing it. That's yeah, <laughs> like room. But I'm saying like, it's not going to be uncommon for a 36 year old to have a roommate. Oh, because of just the yeah. way the the world's going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, housing is expensive. It is expensive, you know. And I, I gotta point, be honest, I'm looking at this Kong Skong. It's Island. a great movie. Uh, you know, the actual the, the the color palette. It's a really good movie. John C. Riley's hilarious in it, it. it. It's got some. I mean, it just looks good. They're all setting up. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but they're setting up a Kong versus Godzilla movie. Because yeah. this was kind of yeah. like because they even have like tease that like Mothra and all the creatures come from this island. So he's like healing himself. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's basically like, okay, okay. And this movie made like $700 million or something, so it was a complete hit. I, I tell you, this guy, Jordan Vote Roberts, I, I like, I always like him. He shot too. Sean Flannery's wedding. I know, I know. It's, he, he, and he, he knows me. Anyway. Yeah. So just to close that little button up, to give, earlier we were talking about a show called Blurds, which was an internet show in Chicago. It was basically you take an audio clip of someone doing stand up comedy and then you would have them act out the routine in a sketch. Yes. And, uh, you would visualize your bits. And they do that on True TV. It's a show called... Uh, it is it is a show now. But they also made it a show on Comedy Central called T... Whatever the fuck. TJ Miller's Comedy Time or whatever yeah, the yeah, fuck. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, yeah. But it was, know, it was Blurred. Was on it. it was Blurred. Yeah, and yeah. Blurred, it was all black and white. Like, I remember watching clips of Blurred's when I started. It was over by then. But yeah. that was like... Like, I rem- that was how nerdy I was when I started. I YouTubed anything chicago comedy wow that's how i saw your audition for the chicago comedy festival <laughs> when i went up to the led zeppelin song i Whole think i of saw Love. that before i even met you like i was <laughs> it's so weird that we're like i was i was such a fan of you before i even met you really I, like i remember <laughs> when you came i remember the post you went up at chuck junior stopka just put the great adam crocious has returned and you did a, sp- and it was just, I think it was 2011 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, holy shit, he's doing stand. And I remember <laughs> it was one of those moments, like locally, where I was like, I'm not going to, like, I, I have to, like, talk. Like, I got to meet Adam Crocious. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm actually a name, you know, like, I'm actually a known commodity. But it was just, I mean, but, you know, again, it was interesting to have that conversation with TJ because he, he brought that up and then we're, I was just like, well, you know what? I want to try to get up. And also, I was like, I, I want to just enjoy myself. This thing right here? Yeah. Yep. Let me pull this up. Through. These these earphones sometimes They're are... They're broke, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm getting new ones. I should bring over mine. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. You got that? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, it just... Um, but I was just saying how like I... um, You know... I, if you're not enjoying doing it, I don't give a shit what it is. There has to be some level of fun to you. Why did you ever get involved to begin with? Funny. Well, what is being funny? The pursuit of fun is part of that. There has to be something. When the business gets involved, obviously it changes the dynamics. You make money. I think it, I don't say it becomes more serious, but there's a certain professionalism, obviously, you have to have. And I think it's a difficult thing to deal with. It's not always just... I was also thinking too, and this is just stuff I should have done. I gotta not. I got. I can't get super high before I go on stage anymore. Yeah, like I dude, can't treat it like that anymore. Dude, like, I, and that's one thing I've told you. I've always prided myself on. I've I've been high or drunk on stage maybe five times, and I've been up on stage. See, but I need to be a little high times. because I didn't go yesterday. I think I I hadn't smoked weed in a few days, and I went up, and it was just. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, you have to. For me, I always, I mean, afterwards, of course, after I said I would get bombed, you know, but, but, but I often was like, I don't know. I just felt like I, I was cheating myself out of learning out of like, I'm convinced when you're on stage too, there's what you consciously pick up on stuff, but then there's a subconscious thing that you're picking up on too. That's sort of like, you don't even know what's happening while you're on stage. Mm -hmm. And that's where kind of the experience and the uh, confidence or just, or just, you look like a professional when you're up there, you know, you sort of. You, you, you can handle your, I, I think for myself, and that's what I feel good about when I go up, even if I'm a little rusty, I at least have a stage presence, you know? So it's just a, 
But anyway, I mean, he, but TJ was just like, you know, he's like, yeah, but Adam, you, you don't do this for a living. And, and, and he was and calling he, and he, you out. I mean, he wasn't a jerk. No, yeah, he he's right. A jerk. Though. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I, he was matter of fact. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he's right. You know, and, and Oh, I know. Because you said you told him that, like, because you had said, if you're not having fun, why would you do it? Like, is it really worth doing it? You and know? he and, yeah, and, and, and that I think that triggered and his point was like. No. Well, when you've made $10 million, like, you want to well, still make that money, you, you know? Because he's like, if just like, no, if I don't like, I don't give a fuck. If, like, if he's having a bad day, he still has to do a sold out show yeah. in fucking Charleston or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Birmingham. And that's true. Exactly. But but even with that, you ha- I think I think you have to have some sort of, and maybe this is not being realistic, but you have to have some sort of like, okay, what do I still enjoy about this experience? Because if you don't enjoy it and it becomes a chore and you become bitter and, and angry about it which believe me i've been it's just not worth doing i mean it's not just from a life philosophical point of view why live that way yeah you know why be that way i i've i mean i can tell you when i look back and reflect back on my 20s and my 30s keith when i was doing stand-up and, and you know my humor was very much related to my anger i think anger is for myself is one of the primary bat and pain i guess for most people getting poetic comics you know, it is the gear that makes it possible. But, you know, being angry, it's, and I would let it, I, I still have anger, obviously. I just can't let it consume me and, and, and be so angry on stage. It just, it's not entertaining. It's not fun. People get kind of creeped out by it. They're going there to kind of forget about certain things and also just to enjoy themselves. So it's like, yeah, well, you know, then you have to make it presentable and enjoyable, you know. And by the way, on that note, I just want to let you know, Bernie has no chance in hell of becoming the next president. Well, of the I was going to say, let's. Take I want to just let you know right let's now. Let's take a break, and then we'll yeah, fucking yeah. we'll get into some politics yeah. and some sports. Yep. Um, Good conversation though. This yeah. Well, I like uh, it. We're gonna we're gonna sneak a little little ad in here, which is probably just gonna be me. If I'm dropping names and you listen, I apologize if it offends you. I'm just talking about my experience. No, we're good. All right, we'll be back in about forty seconds for you. And who knows, about 15 minutes for us. Take a couple poops. We'll be back. <laughs> All right. And we're back. These are some of the best saltines I've ever eaten, I might add. You know what? Those were purchased because Alicia was sick recently. No corona. How you feeling about that? Are you freaked out? I'm not. I don't I'm I, not. I think the I think the lamestream media is overblowing it. Um I do believe this, though. My brother and I were talking about it today. I think it's something that could actually save the republic because Trump can't fucking deal with it. He doesn't know. He can't. Now, he's going to try to spin it and turn it like the numbers. And I think it's one of the first things that shows the results of him not funding certain agencies. He hasn't had a head of the CDC for a year and a half. Because people don't believe in global warming, so they're not going to care about him selling off national parks. Yeah, yeah. This is the one thing of like... It's a tangible originally thing. Originally, people were like, oh yeah, fuck the... We're not going to get polio. Like, I think that's... When people... Are we getting oh, feedback little, right now? Was, is that some sort of feedback? Oh no, loop? it was good. It's fine. I thought it it's was going right. down now. Yeah, did no, you hear I mean, that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a low-level hum. Yeah. Um, as we were yelling. Well, I was yelling. Uh, well, I mean, there wasn't a head, right? The CDC didn't have a head for a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Pence, right? there, there is a reason why a government exists. Okay. There is a reason why it is for situations like this. You encounter uh, 
pandemics where if you don't deal with it, like millions of people can die. Well, millions. This is, this is where see, this is why my girlfriend needs to do Joe Rogan, because I always throw meathead. That's like the meathead. Like, uh, you know how like people read the will regurgitate stuff they read on the internet. Yeah. When bros try and be intellectual, they'll throw out facts they heard on Joe Rogan. So that's I, hilarious. I, <laughs> that's my source, man. What's Rogan got to say about coronavirus? Well, it, it's not even what he does. He say because Rogan will usually have some like an expert in some field on, and what what you usually regurgitate is a question that Joe asked a guy, and then this is what he said. So this is now what I know as fact because an astrophysicist was on, on Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan. and no. this is what he said. Um, which is a credible thing. If if Neil deGrasse Tyson says something on Joe Rogan, that doesn't discredit it just because he Absolutely. said it to an MMA c- commentator. No, it's, it's, he's yeah, he's a fucking smart guy. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. He, um, he pulls good guests. But a Rogan, I've never listened. And to one, this but. is a Rogan theory. A Rogan theory is there shouldn't be one person as president. That it should almost be like a council of elders type thing. Like it should be a group of people that have different views and like science. I believe in science like a science politician and a in like you know what i mean like it should, I'm, I'm listening he, yeah he, he was he basically says like I, I, i'm absorbing the world is so big and there's so many people it's almost impossible to think that one person can govern can do everything well it's not it's not. and elise i told that to alicia and she goes well that's why they created the branches of government. Well, exactly. And she said, the, and the reason it's not working is because we don't have a functioning government, and we haven't had one for decades. She and she, I think she said something about Jimmy Carter was the last time there was a functioning, like actual functioning, three branches of government. And she was like, "That's basically that's your council of elders is the, the legislative branch, the judicial and, and branch." And she was like, the, "And right the, now, and and that's what Trump's doing. He's trying to make the executive branch the, the more dominant pro- sort of." And when yeah. I remember taking the Constitution test, and they even told you that's the third one. The executive branch is the least powerful of the three branches. It's of government. not number one, but but he, because he's got obviously dictator uh, impulses, you know, and, and, and that's what they're pushing because they're looking for that because the forces behind him want to make fundamental change. They look at him as a transformative president, even though he's a lunatic. I mean, listen, he, he I don't think he's I mean, he's merely a promoter. That's what he's always been. He's just promoting. And and they want to do so many things kind of behind the scenes. You know, uh, again, if he gets reelected, if he gets reelected, which is a possibility. And, and here's I think it's a possibility because I think Bernie may be a third party candidate. If Bernie becomes a third party candidate, Trump will get reelected. So all the Bernie bros out there. Listen, I like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has got integrity. Bernie Sanders has been consistent with his message for the entire time. Bernie Sanders, in his years in the Senate, has passed seven laws. He's authored seven laws. Seven. Okay? Seven. That's it. In years. Uh, he's, Of course he's right. Corporate America is out of control. It has a distorted amount of power. Also, I read something, because me and Alicia were kind of laying in bed. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, Post-sex, buddy. Having, yeah. Having a... And I was we were, I was just talking about how we were just talking about the the primary results and how like we were arguing about why the benefits of Democrats wanting Biden over Bernie or even Elizabeth Warren 
and she was saying it's all about the down ticket votes and centrist Democrats won't vote for someone on the far left because they're worried that the people that vote in the middle will vote Republican when it comes to like state houses and courts and your, shit your, like that. your girlfriend is very wise. Yeah, that's ex- there will be no coattails to Bernie. This illusion. But this is what I said. I go, if that's how it I go, if that's what you're saying is the reality, then there will a never be a progressive Democrat and there will never be a viable third party. So why not just elect Bernie and infiltrate the Democratic Party? Uh, he, <laughs> I'm not saying that's yeah. the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, no, I'm no, just yeah, trying, I was, I was trying yeah. to counter her, yeah, yeah, her, her thing. Yeah. Of, like she was saying, this is how it is. And I was like, well, then you're basically saying that the change you want will never happen. Well, I mean, be careful. Listen, and here's another thing. And that's why people like Trump, because even though it's in bad change, he made the change that the shit kickers in the middle of the country wanted. Well, he at least has stood Anna up Alicia for their voice. said, uh, I love how we're just quoting my girlfriend, but she <laughs> did make great points. Of course she um, did. She's smart. And she, uh, she, she said, this is why we're stuck with stodgy old people in the Democratic Party is because well, Obama, when Obama got well, elected. The Republican Party? Here's, here's uh, what she said. When Obama got elected, instead of building their base, they just focused on the White House. And tried to build that up. And in the meantime, during the whole eight years of Obama's term, the Republicans built their base. And that's why you have so many young Republicans. You're, and not even in political positions. Tommy Lahren, Michelle Malkin, all these re- young 20s hot Republican commentators where you're like, why do these young people believe this? And it's because the Republican Party excited young people about being Republican. And the Democrats didn't do that. And that's why I read that most of the people who go to Bernie Sanders rallies don't vote. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of pissed me off. Well, yeah. I mean, there's this illusion. Bernie people talk shit. Oh. And like, they're yeah. not vote. Like you're going to this rally and talking all this shit about it's Bernie or bust and you're not yeah. voting. Yeah. No, I know. No, it, it is this myth that it's some sort he's got an organized base. I'm not going to deny that. And I'm not saying his voice isn't necessary. But they're not voting for him. Well, ex- and it's also, there's just not enough of them. There's just not enough also, of them. Also, someone the told me it's a lot, of, a, a, a lot of the people at his rallies are people who can't vote anymore. A lot of 15 to 16 year olds, I think, go to Bernie Sanders rallies. And, and, you know, and the fact is, from a very policy point of view, which no one gives a shit about, from a policy point of view, uh, I'm telling you, it's not the time for a transformative president like that. It's a time. To just calm the shit down. I pissed down. my, my, my calm one, the shit. My down. one Bernie Sanders friend, because he was. We were every, every all my Bernie people were freaking out Super Tuesday because the fix happened so quick. Wow. Uh, and uh, I said, I go. Here's what it, I go. I this was a quote from a I senator. I never understood how that creature got into got into the vehicle. Well, because they're sneaky. They're like little chicken dinosaurs. Oh, that okay. Oh, because this is what happened. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um. What the fuck was I just saying? About Bernie bros and you piss off your one Bernie bro friend. Oh, because I said I gave him a quote from like a senator and I go, the strategy for for the Democrats is they need a stabilizing force. I go, they don't want to, as much as they hate Trump and how far right he is, they don't want to elect someone who's the opposite side of him because it'll just fuck up. 
it'll just piss off people on the right. I go, yeah. I go, honestly, if Bernie Sanders did become president, most likely both houses would flip to Republican and it would be nothing four, would get and it done. would be four to eight years of nothing happening. It would be the opposite of what people are doing to Trump. It would be the yeah. Republicans talking about how grandpa Bernie, crazy president yeah. Bernie, and it would just be it would be n- so counter fucking productive. Yeah. You kind of there's always going to be a political machine. This whole idea yeah. of breaking the system of like, you need to live in a system. Yeah. Like, are you selling out? And right now I think the system isn't running. Oh, no, it, uh, it, so it, you kind of do need, yeah, and it shouldn't, right. I'm not saying it should be Joe Biden, but I kind of do kind of think that it would, it is more logical to have someone to come in and just kind of stop things real quick. Just calm it down. And go like, let's Chill kind of it rebuild out. it piece by piece. And, and Joe Biden's going to be dead in two and a half years anyway. anyway I know. I His, and that's why I think the Warren's whole key is she's going to worm her way into that VP spot and take that over once fucking Biden dies. Uh, a, a woman has to be on the ticket. A woman has to be on the ticket because because the suburban female vote is the counterweight to all, and I've been saying this for months for years it is the counterweight to everything they're trying to do the voter suppression the russian influence the 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 obfuscate all the things they do it is female suburban voting that because you can't suppress a female suburban vote as easily as you can suppress some black person who lives in rural georgia you know you just can't do it so that that is the key thing you know because it is um uh, and so they got to get a woman on the ticket they have to get a woman on the ticket that 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 can and you know so but biden Biden's had a very strong history, despite his flaws. You know the whole busing thing. I'm sorry, that was 1974. Like that was a long. That's also long, something. long time ago. He also worked, something. Yeah, he worked subordinate to a black man for eight years. People can change, and it's, it's just it is not it's not an issue now. You know, so people. Oh, well, he was that way. Do you have any sense that people change and that you know that that that, that happens and you have wrong opinions and uh, and it changes? It's okay. He but he's had a very good relationship with women and funding women's causes through Congress. So he's got a good relationship with women. That's actually part of the reason why he's a good candidate. Is he a doofus? Is he a, a, a rube? Is he old and borderline senile? Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. You know. What's up with this Hunter Biden thing that might sink him? I keep reading about this. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's, to me, that is, again, another thing. They're creating a narrative. They're making up a narrative like Hillary's emails. Oh, Hillary's emails. Oh. Do you realize what Trump has done is like 400 times worse? Were Hillary's emails wrong and bad? Yes. Yes, they were. You're right. You're right. They were bad. It is nothing. It is little compared to what Trump has done. Little. But what is it? I don't even know it. I mean, I, I think, it, it, again, what, what I understand, and I don't know a lot about it either, but it's business dealings in the Ukraine that Hunter Biden, you know, Joe Biden's kid, has been involved with. Is that his only remaining son? Yeah, I think he had another kid who died. You know, oh, yeah, they, Bo died, and then his wife and his daughter died. In a car accident. Joe yeah. Biden has had, that's what we saw, talked about, too, because here's how it started. I was getting so sick of what really t- pissed me off is my buddy David was here. He we were watching the Super Tuesday results. He's like hardcore into Bernie, and I like he, Bernie too. And I do. he was like, "This is I kind of want to vote for Trump." 
And I was like, if Bernie doesn't run, and I was like, you need to cut that shit out right now. And I was like, honest, I go gun to your head. Joe Biden being president would not be that bad. Of course not. And they basically think he's like Democrat Trump. God. You know, that's just because it's it's the same old thing and the system's got to change. Listen, you are correct. The corporate influence is preposterous. Some of his proposals are just, it's never going to fly. It's just not going to fly. You, you, you're not going to just take the equity of all these companies and just redistribute it. It's not going to happen, you know. Does there need to be a redistribution? Absolutely. The first thing is raise the fucking taxes. Or even if you don't raise the taxes, close the loopholes. Do you know what? There are tens of thousands of loopholes oh, in the yeah. tax system where, where amazon doesn't pay tax come on well the place i work because they recently just went corporate and they've been i didn't know when you become a corporation you get sued like every week for just like a little shit your I, I, your I, your I, carrot cake is called something that's already trademarked God. you're being sued oh so they're a big what do you work at again tender greens i don't even know what that is it's like a salad place but I was that I was thinking today, why like why'd they even go corporate? Like, because they were just like we You're had exposing a, yourself. We had a big too. meeting, and like they were just talking Sorry, about how like these. this is bad and this is how we're changing it. And part of me was just like, well, like maybe you guys grew your business too fast. And then I was thinking, uh, I was like, uh, they probably went corporate to get tax breaks. Well, I'm sure there's probably a co a, a cost benefit analysis. Yeah. Of what what do we do? I'm sure that's a tricky time because when you go corporate, you also have to streamline everything too. Like before they went corporate, I think every tender greens kind of did their own thing. Like you serve the same food, but like they didn't know how to. They're like micromanaging everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that is the tendency, you know. I mean, and, and that's what we had this creating uniformity. We and had stuff. this meeting, and one of the managers was like, uh we want we just want it done the same way at every restaurant and i know some might say that's going corporate uh when she did it with the quotes in her fingers and she was like <laughs> yep that's what it is <laughs> that's what i yeah cuz that's 100% what it is she was like we just want it streamlined well you know there has to be a uniformity cuz you want to know why you control costs that way better too you either like sell more product or yeah. you control your costs that's kind of how you create profit. You know, you either make more stuff and sell it or you control what you, you know, your costs. And I'm working in the nonprofit world as I am right now and I have in the past in my industry, the classic thing with nonprofits in my industry, affordable housing development, which is real estate development, it is uh, uh, overworked and understaffed is, is yeah. the model. Because it's just like, because labor costs are expensive, you know, and you have to have a uniformity of policies but the problem is, is that that is a difficult model to implement. It's hard. It's hard, you know. And if you're trying to grow, and you have to have a certain, uh, a certain conformity, or you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, is, uh, you know, you have to have those standards. You yeah. Know? And, and and that's how. And and if you're looking for investors and things like that, not saying the nonprofit world, they want to see stuff like that. Okay, they have their shit together. They have a growth model here going on. Okay, how many more stores are they going to open in the next two, three, four years? Oh, they're going to have 15 more? Yeah, I'll plug some money in there. Oh, they're going to have 100 more? Okay, I'm going to plug some money. Do they know? I mean, 
So they, 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 don't, they don't want each sort of store to have its own like, hey, man, today is crazy Tuesday. We're going to be yeah. shirtless today. You know, they, they, they and that, that's just the tendency, which kind of makes sense. But I, I'm not saying I agree with it or like it, but it's kind of what it is. You know, but we're going off because this, this all happened with Biden. Oh, <laughs> so we were just laying there and I was like, man, this guy, veteran, wife died, daughter died, one shot. Loved his sons after. I'm sure that locks you to the, your two remaining kids. Yeah. Whatever. Bo Biden gets cancer and gets cancer, dies almost immediately. Yeah. Because he's my age. Like, I remember when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't the, wasn't Biden or Obama still president? I think he was. I think he yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Hunter Biden is still alive. Then. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he's got like, I'm, that's good. That makes me feel better that Joe Biden's not all alone, just fucking speaking to, <laughs> talking to the oh, wall. I'm random. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, when you heard his like kind of victory speeches here out in L.A., it was the most political platitude boring like because the middle class was built by unions and the middle class but it was the most but you know something the fact is it isn't about california and it's not about new york it's not even about illinois it's about the six states man it's about the six states that where the choice is going to be made it's about pennsylvania ohio michigan wisconsin florida and arizona those are the states that are going to be in play it's crazy how the Great Lakes region has become like the epicenter of mm-hmm. the political future. Ohio of the country. and Michigan are gonna fucking get it. Are gonna like lock it in. I think are gonna be like big. Do you think Bernie? Is there any outside chance you think Bernie gets the at least the candidacy? I don't think it's out of the realm. I, I, I what I get more concerned about is that he would be a third party candidate and say fuck this system. We're going to go third party. And I think he'd have enough followers to do that. And that will take away from Biden more than Trump. And that will ensure that Trump gets reelected with a small. Per- I think about Cl- when Clinton got elected. Oh, when so Clinton you think elected, if Bernie loses, he'll just insert himself. Yeah, as he'll a be third a third party, party candidate. candidate. Yeah, he'll be a third party candidate, you know, and so and that will take away more Biden supporters. Although there'll be a few Trump guys that kind of like him because he's a because he fucking he's, he's a plain spoken Jew and he just says, his, you know, that is part of the this is one thing that mainstream political DC doesn't get the fact that Trump just speaks his mind is refresh even as lunacy that he says he's a lunatic uh it is refreshing to not hear the same boring political platitudes that have been rammed on earth we've got to be unified or these like what does this even mean they actually like the fact that he speaks the way he speaks and I think that's hard for you. And I think people like the way Bernie speaks. No, no, here's what we're going to do. It's, it's been this way for, for the, you know. You know what's, and this is, I, I wanted to have this conversation with you. And then we'll pop into sports and then we'll yeah. bring this bitch home. Get in just about two bills here. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people who hate Bernie Sanders, a lot of like the quote unquote libtards, they don't like that he yells. He yells. It reminds me of my bullies when I was in high school. Are you that sensitive? That's what I said. Jesus like, Christ! If that's and it's the same shit of like when you when I ta- when I talk I've talked to some some gals in my life, and you bring up a guy and they're like, oh that guy's an asshole. We were in a very abusive relationship, and then you talk to the guy about it, and he's just like, yeah, I called her a cunt when we broke up. Like I called her a bitch. I called that her a happens. bitch a few times, and like that's the thing. Like if you yell at your, if you y- call someone like, "Hey, fucking, you're being a bitch right now," 
like that's considered like, oh, you're being you're being an abusive boyfriend right now. You know, I'm not saying it should be done. I don't know the context of these conversations and what happens. Well, yeah, but and you the know nature what, you of the relationship. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Like my grandparents probably called each other the worst fucking shit, and they were married for sixty like years till they died to thousands of times, probably. Yeah, you know, it's like. You know, and I I go back to I was I was having this conversation. The whole fucking time. honeymooners, pow! Hit the whole joke at the end was one day. One I'm, of these days, I'm gonna punch you right in your face, <laughs> exactly. you fucking kisser. <laughs> Again, if you watch I Love Lucy, every other episode. I was episode, reading about I Love Lucy today. <laughs> that <laughs> show, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Him being a big band and like leader, Desi Lu Productions, like an early Hollywood or like a maturing Hollywood. They made money hand over fist. They, created- they ate prime rib, smoked cigarettes, ate baked potatoes with dollops of sour cream and said, I'm living a life. They created the syndication, basically, because they figured out. I didn't know back then sitcoms were all broadcasted live. Yeah. And then they figured out. Like no, if we get if we can do it in a studio, we can shoot eighty seven at one time, yeah, and then just distribute them and out, and then distribute them yeah, out. Yeah, and they're big worried. This is so funny. Now they were like, "There's no way to get an audience inside of a studio." They <sighs> created the ability to put an audience in a soundstage. Wow! And that just like in the seventies, that was. I mean, obviously that was revolutionary. It they created changed. the whole. This blank was shot in front of a live studio yeah, audience. Exactly, yes, yes. Lucille you know? Ball and Desi Arnaz created that. Which makes total sense in like, I would think as a performer, because every performer when they first started went up in front of a live audience. So I think Bob Hope was interviewed one time when he did radio, when radio was cutting edge like in the 30s and 40s, maybe even before that time, when he was young. He said he had a hard time adjusting because there was no Back audience. before he was pro-Vietnam War. Well, he, he was, you know, he was a USO guy. People turned on fucking bob hope at vietnam i read that in my comedian's book that when the when the hippies took power they like people were like they because he he was kind of edgy and more oh he used to have kind of a sneer and stuff and and yeah and they said as the years went on his jokes toward like when he would do roasts at uso tours and and for presidents he would dig at him a little bit and they would make fun of him and then as the years went on and as more pro-government he got it would just be like yeah this cat's golf swing is all off kilter yeah, huh yeah because he was <laughs> like it yeah he got sucked into the system yeah. he was bob hope for crying out loud he's also a legend woody allen wrote for him bob hope is a legend but 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 i guess like he said like when he was doing radio first doing, he couldn't really get the timing of his jokes down because there was no one laughing in an audience he was just in a, in a booth somewhere with a couple people doing lines and he couldn't like react so the idea of having a studio audience makes per even if it's just fifty people, you're going to get a sense of kind of what you're doing timing wise. But again, the, the whole idea, of like back to our original point, was just um, uh, of uh, of the abusive relationship. I was having this conversation this week with a person I work with, because younger guy, I respect him. He's smart, hardworking. He's a good guy. I like him. I respect him. And I was like, well, kind of third, what they call third wave feminism. Is that is that a correct description of, of like the current yes. wave of feminism? Yeah. third wave? Mm-hmm. First wave being like the right to there's vote. There's also kind of from what I gather, at least in my circle of walks of life, there's like a fourth wave cresting, which is like feminists who are like they go, they wear the pussy hats, they go to the same rallies, but 
they also kind of get annoyed by the like uh oppressive like social culture too like they it's women that basically are feminists but they don't like cancel culture and they do like edgy comedy and like they do think that like people who complain about everything are kind of annoying and like women stop i like ta- stop talking women about I like. your depression <laughs> yeah yeah and like I mean, so that's kind of the fourth wave of like I am an active feminist I am an active feminist but I also don't give a shit what someone says in a microphone on stage or like on yeah. TV like I don't think this person should be fired. It's not that relevant. I, but cuz my mom as we've talked about before my mom was second wave feminism. I mean she rode the crest of the second wave feminism. Which I think is the basis of what the fourth wave I'm talking about but I think even through a feminist scope, the second wave feminism was kind of flawed a little bit because they kind of were still wrapped up in. It's what led to fucking who's the big second wave feminist? Who, uh, Gloria Steinem. She when Bernie first ran, she was saying Bernie will get elected because uh, girls flock to whatever. the. She was basically saying like girls flock to the popular boy. And Bernie's the popular boy right now, so the women will go to him. And feminists got really pissed at her for saying that. I don't know what she's saying. She was basically saying that, like, women, women will, will, yeah, like that. And that's very, that's basically saying that, like, yeah, women don't think for themselves; they'll just go wherever the fucking popular dick is. But like, I think a lot of a lot of second wave feminists were still caught up in that. Like, as much as they were feminists, they were still very much living and accepting the patriarchy. You know, well, bit. it's funny you mention that because I, I actually disagree with, I, I, don't, I don't dismiss your point. I, I, I don't, I'm not even I don't, saying I agree or disagree. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. like, he, with where second, I guarantee you a third wave feminist would look at like Gloria Steinem's an old rusty bitch. Like there's, there's people that not. probably want to cancel her not. too. I hope not. Uh, I know with my mom being the, I mean, she, she was a president of her now chapter. Does now even exist? Not, not National Organization of Women. I mean, that that was a real political organization at it one time. It did in the early two thousands because Patrice O'Neill crushed this broad. But you know, it, it is. Um, she was the president of her now chapter, and from seventy nine to eighty one, which boy, that was late seventies, early eighties, because the ERA was the big issue. That was the big thing people were behind. The earned or on average, <laughs> the Equal Rights Amendment, which didn't pass. See, I look at second wave feminism when I look at third wave feminism from what I see from my perspective, just my own point of view. I think there's similarities. I think the equal pay thing is it was definitely an issue back then. I remember going to a rally in 1981 and there was an acoustic singing like Joan Baez, like singing a song called 59 cents for every dollar. We make 59 cents for every dollar. 59. It was a woman makes 59 cents for every dollar a man makes. Well, now it's like 78 cents or 80. But is So that, what's your bitching? But is that even like... I, I don't know how it's measured, but that was, that's just, what that, I'm was saying, a narr- like, that was a narrative. Because I had to there. have a minimum wage job, and I guarantee you we all make $15 an hour. Yeah, but in real terms, the minimum wage was at its most powerful in 1973. But I'm saying... It was its like, highest level. But in that sense, that's why where, do, where do they... They have to average it from salaried jobs. Right. Of like a woman CEO makes this much versus a male CEO. And then you average the collective. I, I really I'm don't telling know. you, I'm telling you for a fact at shitty minimum wage jobs, 
Everybody's making the same amount of money. Yeah. There's no way a female cashier at McDonald's is making, making a buck 78 or cents yeah, yeah. less per dollar. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not convincing me of you're, that. You're raising a good point of like, there's a class element in this all American culture. Class matters. It matters. But with, um, but with, but also, I feel like with second wave and, and you know, abortion now, you rights. You might be able to convince me that a female cashier at McDonald's should probably have a better job. That okay. like more females yeah. shouldn't have those jobs. Assistant and, manager, And then maybe manager, in that yeah. sense, there is a wage gap of like, why is she even cashiering at McDonald's? Yeah. No. And I think that that's an issue that a lot of women feel like they're confronting. Like third wave feminists are confronting that to this day. And I think a lot of second wave feminists had the same thing. But what I find about second wave feminists, from my mom being the president of her now chapter and being steeped in it. And, and getting talks about it when I was 11 years old, which was a hard thing to manage for an 11-year-old mind, um, was second-wave feminists were... Rea- These were baby boomers, okay? All of their fathers fought in the fucking war. So the men they dealt with were like tough, hardened, difficult, abusive men, you know? Men who had killed other men in battle. Yeah. And so... They- well, and that's what I'm saying too... Uh- Second wave feminists were still also the women who would probably stay with their husband if he slapped her. You know, maybe, maybe not. I can tell you the, the divorce thing. Third wave feminists will fucking leave you if you scream at them. Yeah. It, well, you know, and maybe they, you know, maybe they should. I don't that's know. That's what I. Yeah. That's. But 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 my point is with I can tell you, and my mom was very much on this in the seventies for women to get divorced. I mean, that was a major shift. That was a major, the idea of getting divorced, you didn't get divorced, you stuck it out with your, and what my mom was behind, and this is why, my point about why I think second wave feminism had good traits, there were tangible things they were trying to do. And one of the things she was behind was battered women's shelters. There need to be more battered women's shelters. I lived by one in the, Chicago. The very first battered women's shelter was built in 1973. It was on Ashland. It was, in, yeah, in 1973 in Minneapolis, this is 1979, six years later, there weren't battered women's shelters where you could bring your family, your kids to if your old, if your husband was beating you up. That did, so, and now there are thousands of battered women's shelters. I look at that as being a very positive, tangible thing you can point to and say, this is a good thing that happened. And my mom was very much, that was one of the issues she was behind. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's a t- I find with third wave feminism, uh, the wage gap, okay. Uh, abortion rights, which are under attack. I, I get also love defending that, term, that battered woman shoulder. What? I mean, I don't, what should I say? Uh, what, what, are they, what are they called? I now? think they did remove. I don't know. I think it's just like women's center. Well, like you got to go did. there because you got to bring your kids there because your also drunken I've, husband who's an asshole I've also, beating you up. I'm, I've also think they've opened it up too. It's not. Ju- it, it's more because of what we're talking about. Like, it's basically like if you feel threatened at all, you could go stay there. I just find, so I find the third wave feminists from my older point of view, and I feel justified saying this, given my mom who she was and how committed she was to what she did and being the president of her now chapter, being the most important woman in her now chapter and going to rallies with her. There are parts of the third wave feminism that I find, um, I don't know, I, 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 there has to be something more tangible behind it 
Like, what are specific things that you're behind? Behind, I don't know. I just, is it a basic treatment thing? You know, I'm sorry, and and maybe I I don't want to be insensitive. I try to be sensitive, but then if you're too sensitive, then you're not attractive either. As a guy, they don't fucking. We're just gonna stick with the Batman's. They've been running it. (laughs) I remember this. I saw this in the theater with my girlfriend at the time. I saw this in theaters too. I saw with my with uh, Amanda Rip, in in uh, New Trier in uh, in uh, uh, Wilmette. I was but no, five. but yeah, I saw this. Yeah, crazy. I think I had sex after seeing this theater in, in, in the theater. There but anyway, I, I I'm going off from losing my point, losing the story. But just the whole um, second wave versus third, third wave. Second wave, from my point of view, and I know, and I asked this buddy of mine, and he, and he raised tangible points that were good. I just find the, uh, you know. <sighs> The treatment or something, and and I'm not a woman who's been sexually harassed. The sexual harassment thing, I think, is real. That, that That's a real thing. I also find what's interesting about the third wave versus the second wave. Third wave feminism has come up when porn has become extremely accessible, and the access to pornography has become extremely accessible, and the sexualization of things is even more so than it was 40 years ago. When I look, but the same things were said back then too. I remember a judge in Wisconsin one time was criticized because he was like, well, of course this woman got raped. Look at the clothes she wears, like in 1981. He was saying this, you know, and it's like- I also think, and this will wrap the point around how we talk about how the world is too expensive. It's just getting to a tipping point where the cost of everything is not comparable to the the money they're giving out for the jobs that are being done. Yeah. Aside from being a CEO or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole, I think, yeah, I think you're getting to a point where you need to be positive about sex work and shit like that, because these need to be industries, dude. (laughs) Like there need to be professional hookers, dude, that like are fucking getting these incels dicks wet. So, well, I've so they don't shoot shit up, and then you you pay them good, you cl- keep them clean. There's a government, sh- or not a government organized, but like they do that organized, in Amsterdam. You you, you got to go to the OGB. yeah, but it's got to be a better government. You don't want a right wing government controlling prostitutes. You fucking some comic book villain bullshit. Well, I mean, you think about the old west. Like the whorehouse was that was just fundamental. Like you went into a small town, there was a whorehouse that just existed. You know and I. I, we I, remade your vagina lips into Bible pages. I, 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 I've said this before and I'll say it again. Is uh, If prostitution was truly legal in this country, the number of mass shootings would be cut dramatically. 100%. Because these are sexually frustrated young men. That's what I... When you're in your early 20s and you're sexually frustrated, that's why I look back at my first girlfriend and I look back at that and say, thank God you came into my life. Because I was able to work out... All of my teenage sexual frustration with her, and it was great. And I look back, that, that was like a pivot point in my life to making me the well-adjusted human being I am now. <laughs> but my point is, it, is it, 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 it was a good thing. I think these are dudes who've never had their dick sucked. They've never had good sex for like months on end, for a couple years, where it's like, this is a good thing. It, it just is... Some women are never going to understand about men. They're never going to understand this about men. They're never going to get it. They're never. When you're young and you're a dude and you've got a boner, eighty percent of the day as I go into my act, you know, that's all you think about. All you think about is sex. And if you're not getting it, it, By the it way, becomes just for a, a peek behind the curtain when Crush just does it on stage. He holds his fist up defiantly. <laughs> 
and I think you even say diamond erection. No, I, I, say, I say, when you're a teenager, you had a diamond cutter. That's what you had as an as a 18-year-old? As an 18-year-old? Do you know how hard your cock would get as an 18-year-old over the slightest I was thing? 18, I know. Exactly. And so it's like, uh, you need to get that release, you know? And, and like, when you finally... I also a, didn't have sex until I was 26, so... Really? Yeah. Guys, even later than me. I lost it when I was 20, and I felt old. I felt old at 20, you know? But, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> but I mean, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I mean, I'm fucking joking. But 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 you. I mean, you kind of get it too. Like I mean, it's a mind fuck when you're not getting laid at that age, when your hormones are racing and raging so hard, you know. So, so these incel guys, I think a lot of them, they just need to get their dick wet. They need to just go out and get laid some, and it'll take the edge off, and it's a good thing. Now, when you get to be my age now, you don't think about it as much, so it doesn't matter as much. <laughs> Because you become an old fart, <laughs> it's hilarious. But no, it. it uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a weird tangent. This white wine's go, going into my brain. I've yeah, only had two go. of them, and I, I'm. But anyway, right, where so are we? So we're going to transition to sports. We're at an yeah. hour and forty three minutes. Jesus. But if there's a little less because we rambled at the beginning that I'm going to cut out. Um, but this is just how long the recording has been happening. This is the Batman sequel. Where, where I like Michael, Batman Returns, dude. Yeah, with. Uh, with, with I remember the casting choice of making Michael Keaton Batman, you know, was like people oh, were because he was like a comic actor. Exactly, it, it was, was like whoa, this is a weird choice or an well, odd choice. It, people felt the same way when they casted Ledger as the Joker. What? What? Why was that? I'm curious. Because he had been in like teen movies before that. Like he was considered like a very lighthearted, like, a very like whatever actor. And like people, like I remember the that was like when chat rooms were hot, and everybody was just like, "This is the worst choice ever." And then also, uh, Dark Knight was coming out when like leaks during production were at its like apex, like the be it was like a big thing, like online everything. This is what's happening on set, and very early on, people were like, "Oh no, he's killing it! Like he's doing like very he's well." Because he was a good actor. So by the time the movie came out, by the time the first actual trailer came out, people knew like, oh, this is the movie that Heath Ledger is killing it as the Joker. And so it actually created a certain hype. Oh, too. A hype! Yeah. They had a whole online campaign where uh, you signed up for this thing, and they would send you to a bakery, and you get a cake for free. If and what? It, if you did what? You had to like sign up for this online wow. Easter egg hunt, basically, and they would give you a cake. And in the cake, there was a cell phone and it was like a burner phone and it would have like pre-taped Heath Ledger recordings telling you to go to different spots in your city. And there were like bat signals you had to find. Like there were little promotional stuff like that. They would they would wow. they would release uh, front pages of Gotham newspapers like detailing crimes by an unknown mastermind like all the, like basically like they were basically wow. showing you newspapers from gotham before the movie to, like to create a certain expectation and setting and it up yeah. of just like really making you excited for this movie well, it's crazy that they also another knew- movie that did that too bringing this back to tj miller before we go into sports was yeah. cloverfield yeah so the movie cloverfield is about a monster attacking new york in the build-up to that today i saw a little bit of it in I, the, watched a little bit. I love that movie in the build-up to that they would release footage of like Japanese oil tankers getting randomly capsized and sunken, and they they would show you like sonar clips of some random blob in the ocean. Like, what is it? And yeah. they would yeah. like 
give you the website. It was this cloverfield.com or whatever. They would like just put different stuff on it every day. And it was like different corporations. Like the Sluggo company just got is keeping something quiet. Their stock fell or whatever the fuck. And it was the same company that the main character in Cloverfield is going to work for. It was just like, it was the same thing as the Dark Knight, just with Cloverfield stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sort of whisper campaign or and something then that makes as sense. The well, movie, whisper's the right word, maybe it's not. And know. then the closer the movie got to release date, they would show you more of like, so like a month... They'd reveal more. So like a month before the movie, the thing they released was <laughs> this news footage, like this secret <laughs> news footage that got leaked. It was like... <laughs> yeah, keep the talking, the government doesn't want you to see this and it was basically like a fake CNN story where this reporter's on a tanker mm. and there's water splashing up behind him and he's saying something in, J- in Japanese and like a monster jumps coming yeah yeah and the footage cuts out and that's the last like oh my god I gotta see this fucking movie interesting how they tr- how they're able to like they understand the eye but of what people are looking for. That's gone though. That's done. Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah, yeah. Why doesn't it exist now? Just because people's people don't have the uh, the gumption or uh, gumption. Oh my fucking I eighty! Know. I'm the gumption. I swear to God, when we went on, Jesus, <laughs> on the beaches of Normandy, we had Biden. the gumption to go up the wall. We, we were gonna get shot. Oh, here we go. There's an LA sound. A good good police car in the background. But yeah, <laughs> uh, they don't. They don't want to follow a eight month campaign. Oh, 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 the attention span's too short. It's too short. God. Also, what happens in little leaks like they come, and and the productions are less keen in uh, releasing stuff like that because they think they don't want to spoil stuff now. So like, I bet you there'll be some attempt to bring that back like in some way. All of the stuff I knew about the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. It's just been like some dude who snuck on the set and took pictures and then like put them on his website. Yeah. And then those circulate. And then yeah. that forces the production company to like, here's what the scene was. Because you can't really scrub them from the internet. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure they want to probably have tight control over it. You yeah. Know, of like, of of the parsing out the message. You know, it's just... God, that seems to be a fundamental issue. Also, people will run with the same thing for longer. Like when Joaquin Phoenix has got released with the makeup, like they were showing scenes with him as full on Joker for like a month. You'd see sites reposting the same story just with different pictures. And like they would get you with a headline of like new scenes of of he of Joaquin Phoenix and you'd click it and it would just be like the same scene but different vantage points oh and interesting like, what the fuck but yeah. also the joker was good after a while as todd phillips started just instagramming pictures from the set yeah, so yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. quells people's yeah need for it yeah yeah you yeah, know it makes because it's funny we're watching this batman returns or bat what, it, batman returns yeah batman fr- one was before this and forever's after it yeah yeah f- f- forever's terrible because joel shipmaker joel shipmaker's too. Oh, terrible movie I tried watching. I tried watching a little bit of that recently, and I was like, "This is bad." I uh, the first Batman movie. When I think of advertising, now I saw Superman in the theater with Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. I don't remember. I had remember a crush it. on Margot Kidder. I, I don't a crush remember on Margot. it. She's, she's but beautiful. To this day, I've seen every Batman movie in theaters because, while I don't remember it, my parents took me and my sister to a drive-through in a '89, drive-in? Wow. a drive-in, maybe even '90. 
and we they saw Batman and Beetlejuice. <laughs> what well, was Tim Burton? It was a Tim Tim Burton would love that and story. Keaton. Because it, it was Tim Burton doing, uh, uh, do, he, in fact, Tim Burton wants to, be, I think he wants drive-ins to come back just to make drive-in movies. I remember going to the drive-in as an authentic thing. Like, it was not an ironic goof. I remember getting into the back of a trunk and being snuck in and being snuck in to drive-ins in Iowa. I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a drive-in in 1978, five years after it was re- released. They just put her up. Oh, put her up in a drive-in. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What the hell? But but uh, the first Batman movie, they had this advertising campaign of just the bat, that symbol, and for like months That was the time. first hype campaign. And that was, I, I want to say they spent like $20 million, I could be wrong, but they spent millions of dollars on that. Ad. And I remember being in D.C. at that time, and it was like, oh my God, when is this movie going to come out? And I remember seeing it, and, you know, something... I didn't like it that much. Kevin Smith said people were cutting bat logos into their hair. Abs- well, that was late 80s when you did that. Like, if you were a black person, man, you, you, you had like a fade going on. You'd have a, you'd have a martini glass on one side yeah. and a Batman side on the other. I mean, it was and pure like, and hype. And Prince did the soundtrack. Absolutely, Prince did height, the soundtrack. Height Prince. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, height of popularity Prince. But Prince, like, okay, I'll do bat a song Dance for this. Bat is a terrible song. Yeah. It's an awful song. He also, you know, he's probably like, okay, I'll write this in a half an hour. I'm Prince. I have thousands of songs in my catalog. I can do this. He can I noodle. know what a pop song Prince was sounds a noodler. like. Was, oh, he, he, he can noodle good. Uh, he was a phenomenal guitar player. I would I say just saw the, the video. five. I, I just saw Let's, Get, Let's Go Crazy. Uh, let the video just yesterday with Apollonia, who I looked up online. Apollonia was like this exotic beauty. My mom did want me to see Purple Rain in the theater because it treated women poorly. There's an opening scene where they throw a woman into a dumpster. Mm-hmm. My mom heard about that and was like, I don't want you seeing that movie. I was 15. And I snuck in with my, my, my I, I had a, a friend of the family, Steve, who was a year and a half older than me. And, and we went and saw Purple Rain in the theater in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. And... Uh, uh, let's go crazy. His guitar solo at the end. He's a great guitarist. I mean, he's a great guitarist. Like, he's up there with like Hendrix. Have you ever seen the concert where he outplays Tom Petty? It's a little clip. Well, I think it was at the Rock and Roll Hall. Of yeah, Fame. and they're playing. No, it's not just Tom Petty. It's like George Harrison, Tom Petty, and he just took <clears throat> over. You can tell it wasn't planned too, because they all look like. All right, he just does this extended solo, and he just. Yeah, and they were like, and they were all like, "Yeah, we're gonna let him do what it he doesn't does." Even, it's not even in key with the song they're playing. Yeah, he's just like, "I'm just gonna take this." Yeah, and, and I think it was like a couple minutes. You like know, I think I'm... they were playing like "My Sweet Lord" or something yeah, yeah, like exactly. that. <laughs> I think it was at George Harrison's concert uh, for George. Yeah, I, I think it was when the, he died. Yeah, yeah. I he, think it was concert for George, and they were playing like a George Harrison song. Yep, absolutely. You know, and he because uh, it was Petty, Clapton, like all the greats yes. living. Yeah, People the living guitar guys, him. absolutely. And he came in and was like, "Oh my god, this guy's incredible!" Like, I mean, no, he's he was amazing. But anyway, dude, I, t- I'm, I think I'm running out of steam a little you bit. Wanna, man. Let's run through. Well, what, what about sports? How about the University of Wisconsin basketball team winning the Big Ten today, Hell yeah. beating Indiana on the road, ending the Big Ten season with an eight-game winning streak? So I thought this would be fun, real quick. Uh, since you say you're not so much into baseball, I want to run out the latest headlines because this was kind of a bigger week for headlines. Aaron Judge out indefinitely. For what? I think it's like a, some. He's just. I don't think it's. 
super serious. MLB's like that lately. They're so weird with like, even if they're going to be up two weeks, they're just like, oh, well, we don't know. They've ex- they got this 10-day DL now. So it just makes it so you could bring, you, you have more time to bring down a minor. It's yeah. like roster space bullshit. Yeah. Uh, 188.5 million extension for uh, Christian Yelich by the Brewers. I actually give them credit for fork, forking some cash out. You know, I mean, the fact that they actually did that and can do that. But I wonder how that's loaded. Like, how, how does the money actually... Maybe it's like a Steve Young contract with the LA yeah. Express and the USFL. It's just an annuity, you know? The White Sox extended a young player, another one. So Moncada gets a five-year extension. They're smartly doing because all the teams are in hot water for abusing the super whatever rule where you wait. Basically, what they do is uh, they wait a day after you're eligible. Like they keep you in the minors until the day you're el- like the exact date that they have to find like they have to bring you up. And it's just and they wait a day after that day because you get an extra year of eligibility. So instead of six years free agency, it's seven years. And the players are fighting it. They don't want it anymore. That's yeah. why Chris Bryant was arbitrating with the Cubs. And it's he's probably not going to resign with them because the Cubs want it. Because the way the rules stand, the Cubs weren't breaking a rule. And the players just want the rule gone. But you can't retroactively be like, okay, you can be a free agent in two years instead of three. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So what the Sox are doing is just saying, fuck it. They're giving people extensions that are still in the minors and they're just being like fuck it you're a free agent in four years we're just going to give you a five-year instead of paying you 200 million in eight years when you're a free agent we're just going to give you 90 right now while you're in triple a and do a five-year 90 million dollar extension on your current deal god and players are just like okay i'm so out of touch I used to know about baseball, Keith. I actually joined a fantasy baseball league today with friends of mine in Chicago. So the White Sox have basically done this with six of their top prospects. And and they so they're basically good until like some of them until like 2028. Like they've really set up a good foundation. They might be a real terror of yeah, a team you know? in a I mean, few I, years. I, I get that as a strategy. You want you want to keep that kind of uh, that nucleus and base and or in 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 check or, or signed. You know, I actually as far as if anyone is listening who has not gone to a White Sox game, if there's anyone outside of time. Chicago, I, I actually you know it, it's <laughs> because the Cubs are the dominant team. I love the Cubs, dude. You know, uh, the White boys. Sox because the White Sox they're such a like. Underbelly. The fact that Chicago has two baseball teams is pretty amazing. All know? right, quick NFL headlines for you, Crocious. Sure. We'll run because Crocious is so job. He's he's working so much. I gotta yeah. Tell my boy that Dak Prescott turned down a one hundred and five million dollar contract, thirty three million per season because he wants forty. <laughs> and then now that's bringing up the argument of should quarterbacks just start taking less money so they have so they have a better team. Like, is it really, is generational wealth really worth fucking it up and being like, well, yeah. fuck you, Cowboys. I'll go play for the fucking Titans or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I think with the Chiefs, because I, I think they have something special with Mahomes. Mahomes made $700,000 this year. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get $200 million. Yeah. He's going to get a shit ton of money. And, and like. Liverpool finally lost. They did? Yeah. That's big. They lost. Two. Are you done? Yeah. I, I have to pee, man. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, that's the argument of like, 
But I think Mahomes is going to take a pay cut. Or, 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 or maybe not get as much as Lamar. Yeah, I think like he'll do a Brady. Because like it's not it's not unprecedented. Tom Brady did it. Um, and then what else? Oh, we could close it off on this. Uh, they're talking about playing NBA games behind closed doors because of the coronavirus. Was that a gunshot? Yeah. Man, that's a long pee. I know, dude. That's also my old, old man problem. All right, when you come back, we'll like close it, close it. We'll do like sure. a few minutes to close it. Six months ago, I could make it through a night or two, and the pisses I take now just take forever. They don't. It was so out. long. They don't come out. This Get your fast. mic. And and, and 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 there's like, you know, when I pee, now, we were having a good. I was like, I'll just keep this conversation going while he pees. Well, exactly. I had to make, that was a. I had to make an edit for that. Piss. Yeah, absolutely, because the pissed because it comes. We're talking out about coronavirus, playing and NBA Tom games Brady behind closed and doors. Yeah, like, so basically, to summarize it up, uh, Patrick Mahomes might do a Tom Brady pay cut because Tom Brady for his whole career took pay cuts for the Patriots to be better. Uh, and then that led me into NBA news. Uh, I also apologize for cutting you off about the Mahomes 200 million. It's fine. Yeah, it's I know okay. you wanted to close out. No, I don't know. Uh, and then, so yeah, the NBA games behind closed doors because of the coronavirus. They're already doing it with soccer. Syria and Italy is playing games behind closed doors. Well, Italy has, has had a, they've they got had a, the most. Yeah. They got a bit way in Europe. They, yeah, you know, and, and the Trump administration, I'm sure, is very forthright, very transparent, <laughs> not trying to control the also, message. My buddy is in uh, ten, like the southern states right now for Fritz. His mom just passed. Yeah. So he's down there. He says everybody down there thinks coronavirus is a hoax. They believe Trump. Wow. With a good chew on, on the mic. Nope. All right, so that's basically. But to close it out, LeBron James says he won't play the games if they're behind closed doors. Wow. So they'll just cancel the games. He's just forcing them to cancel the games. God. I mean, we got to see how it unfolds. I, I don't know. It, it's just. All right. It's so, a hoax. It's a hoax, people. It's, a, it's hoax. a hoax. I told you we'd get the two hours. Uh, do you have anything to plug? 
You got those Ice House shows coming up. I'm going up at the at Flappers. What day? Uh, March 22nd. Good. Uh, which today? What's what's today's date? Today is the seventh, but we got multiple. This means you can hype it up for a couple weeks in exactly. a row. Exactly, and then then I and then I have Ice House on April 19th. Uh, go uh, to those websites for those shows. What time are those shows? The shows are at. Uh, uh, Ice House is going to be at eight o'clock, which is a weird time, and then uh, seven o'clock for Flappers. <laughs> that gives you an indication of how well the career is going. No, no, I'm actually looking forward to going up there. I go up there and I have fun. Yeah, I have well, a good go, time. Go to those dates well. and times and uh, buy tickets to those shows because Crozier is fucking hilarious. But also, you know, support yes. him. Uh, Thank if you, you support the podcast, that's the best way to do it. That's really the best way. If you do, like. If you don't want to communicate like through the podcast, just like go see us when when you see our name on a poster or whatever the Absolutely. fuck. Absolutely. I don't have any like book shows coming up because I'm bombing at mics, but uh, <laughs> follow me uh, social media at Keith Pazel, uh, trying to be more active on the Twitter as far as soccer and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you're a booker listening to this, throw it down. But no, yeah, no kidding. Fucking, I'm kidding. I got to get a haircut. Uh, that's a good way to end it right there. I got to get a haircut like yep. a true autistic. Thanks All for right. listening, guys. Bye.